This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is up, guys? It is episode 76 of Working Class on DeerCast, and we're kind of sticking with the theme for the last two weeks. Uh, we talked with Forrest a little bit about controlled burning, talked with Lee and Austin a little bit last week about some farm management stuff lightly. Um, but I got my newly good friend, I, I, Chris Cedars. C. Cedars. Nailed it. I, dude, I love your last name. But So I got introduced to you. Through Perry Batten, shout out to Perry, Mark's farm manager, and I'm like, hey man, I called him first because I had a farm that I had permission to hunt that needed a controlled burn done. So I called Perry up. I'm like, hey, do you do that stuff? Because I thought like, oh, I'll have Perry come out. He's like, no, but I got a guy. Right. So that's how I got in contact with you, and I just called you up. You're like, yeah, man, we could probably figure it out, and that's really the start of the conversation so thanks for coming and doing this and thanks for coming to do the podcast yeah, thanks for having me what do you do as your day job let's start there and then we'll get into how you got into doing what we did today so a little back history for me i'm currently a full-time sheriff's deputy for the county back home mm -hmm. um, i started doing the fire prescribed fire stuff for land management about 10 years ago mm -hmm. been a volunteer fireman also for going on this will be year 11 damn thanks um, for your service for all this thank you so that's really kind of how I got into it. So there's a lady through the DNR back home mm -hmm. that she burns a lot of state sites for uh, prairies, grass yeah. prairies and stuff. So they do prescribed fire burns just about every year on most of the sites, if not every other year, to help control uh, a lot of the different aspects of doing prescribed fires. So yeah. Okay. So I kept calling it today. We were doing some videos. I kept calling it. Um, control burning. Control burning. Yeah. And uh, Spencer's like, hey, man, it's prescribed fire because... It's never 100% in control. Right. So I always kind of, when people ask the difference between control burning and prescribed fire, I always tell them, if you've ever seen the movie Backdraft. I have not. So it's an old, it's an older 
firefighter type movie. And yeah. in there they tell you that, you know, the fire is a living, breathing creature. Okay. And yeah, it feels that way. And you can't control it. I mean, you can try. Yeah. You can fight it, but it's not something that you a can A controlled control. burns a campfire. Right. Right? <laughs> I, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. That's like you're burning leaves in your ditch. That's right. a controlled burn. You could even go as far as say that's probably a prescribed fire too, because if you got grasses or something, it can get away from you. Fire scares me. Yeah. And that's the reason why, like, I know I, I can't be the only guy out there who has permission pieces that like helps the farmer with his land and like just handles stuff for hunting permission or has their own piece or anything like that to help basically management the ground. We'll get into some of the benefits of it. But I'll I had a fire scare last couple of years ago just in my house and lit the neighbor's field on fire and just like I'm like, I don't like this, man. Like I got too <laughs> cocky. The last thing I want to do is go burn something that hasn't been burned in a decade right. and watch 20-foot flame. It was, it was just a disaster waiting to happen. So I want a guy that knows what he's doing, and that's where you came in. And I you know, I knew there was a method to the madness, but I didn't know how the method works, was, right. how it works, you know? So <laughs> if you want to like kind of break down the process of it and or really like why people do it, you know what I mean? Let people know. So there's a lot of benefits to it um, for like a good CRP piece, for instance, depending on the contract, like you might not be allowed to let a lot of stuff grow in it. You might not be able to till it and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So like the piece that we did today, for instance, had like a lot of Russian olive and yeah. really thick kind of stuff that's starting to come up in it. So fire can help control that, keep it from growing more, spreading. And we did kind of a growing season burn today. So, mm -hmm. you know, and I say that because everything's starting to grow. Mm -hmm. um, everything's starting to turn green. And benefit to doing a prescribed fire during a, a growing season uh, for some of your invasive plants and trees and things like that is that yeah. um, it scars those better and it can kill them off. Mm -hmm. So you'll probably notice that some of that Russian olive will die off or won't grow this year, but there's probably still a lot that you'll have to get in and trim at some point. Yeah, yeah. But... See, like, I, I, you look at this landscape. As a hunter, we spend more time just staring at the terrain that we're hunting or spending time on. Like, which you know, you're looking for deer, but you're just you're taking in what's there, and it's just dense CRP. It was very thick and full of thorns, yep. full of olive, whatever Russian olive or whatever. I call it all honeysuckle, and that's not true, I don't think. But yeah, that's that's typically what I do too. I always say bush blanket, honeysuckle, blanket you know, or, term, right. you know. And I'm always like, man, I want to burn this so bad because I just want to see the change in the landscape because you can see like what's really there. Sure. It's almost like you remove the curtain on this piece of ground that like, because I don't know how, if you feel this, when I hunt a piece, I like, I kind of become attached to the piece I'm hunting. Right. Like I, I have like a different layer of respect for the ground I'm on. And yeah, for me, take care of it better, I want to take care of it better and I want to see it. I want to see what's really like. Peel back the curtain. What's this really like without all this grass on there? So it's fascinating to see the process, but it's cool knowing you're benefiting it. I like to think it's taking care of ticks. Actually, that is one of the benefits. So, I, see, I've said, I asked somebody about that, and they're like, yeah. I mean, maybe it, not on a high scale, but you got to imagine we burned, what What do we guess today, about 50 to 60 acres? I'd, yeah, I'd say, yeah, 60-ish. I mean, we had to burn up some ticks. I'm sure we burned up a few, yeah. Good. Screw them. But yeah. I hate them as well. But you know, like when we first started going, so I'm looking at this. I just want to give everyone like my mindset. I'm looking at the the grass. I'm like, this thing's going to burn hot. And there's a lot here. 
It definitely burned hot. And it's going to sure. go. And it was windy today. Which is surprising for a lot of people who don't know because you had, what, four inches of rain like less than a week ago? Yeah, like five days ago. Yeah. Like we came out and mowed <clears throat> with a skid steer three days ago and it was too wet to get in the bottom with the skid steer. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I always kind of, for CRP, for me, like two to three good days of sun and wind, good sunny days, it'll dry out really quick. Yeah. You know, like we had that one spot fire that kind of started getting away from us there. And once it started getting down into that wood line, that was it. It was done. Mm -hmm. And we kind of figured that would happen because there was so much moisture down in there yet. It just yeah. snuffed it out. Well, so let's just start like the beginning of our day. So I had a box blind and a piece on this farm and uh, I mowed around it just to kind of prevent the 20 foot flames from scorching and warping the walls and windows on this thing, which sure. it would have, man. Yeah. With that, that border grass that you had planted around there that, you know, was what probably 20 flames coming off of that. Oh. could have been a lot higher than that. Not out of that blind. Right. So we mowed a big, big crop circle around the blind, but we started right there where the blind was. So if you want to just break down what we did when we started and why. So you have everything mowed, pretty much the edges around the whole uh, unit of this. So we had it broke down into two units, I should say. Mm -hmm. You had everything mowed around the borders of both units, which was a huge help. Um, and then mowing down around that blind was also a super big help. Yeah. So what I did before you got there was I went in with the leaf blower and the rake, and I pulled back all that dry, dead fuel away from the blind and then had it kind of prepped down to the dirt. So when you did get there and we got started, you know, we kind of had that backing fire on that northeast corner, mm -hmm. which would be to the right of the blind if you're looking at it from the yeah from the entrance we'll say yeah and then uh once we got close enough to it we lit around it and let it just kind of burn out away from it mm -hmm. so slower fire and we had a good breeze so that helped in my opinion and blow you're the using heat away. drip torches right which i knew what a, i've seen drip torches on like youtube but like what is a drip torch and what what like fuels the drip torch it's hard to explain how they look really it's like a just a metal gas can. It's like it's a funky a gas can yeah. with a weird nozzle on it. It's got a funky nozzle on it, and it's got a loop in it, a couple of valves for flow. You can adjust your flow and things like that. No, it's got a wick on the end of it. We call it a wick. Mm -hmm. uh, the drip torches we use today were called Panama torches, and they got like a flat, almost kind of looks like a shovel on the end of it. Yeah. Um, there's others that just have a round piece that you shove like a piece of steel wool and stuff in, and it helps hold that fuel and uh, things like that, basically. But yeah, the Panama torches is just what I have, and they just work really well. Um as do the other brands, of course. But yeah, so we start started today. I was a little worried with it being a little damp, so I did a pretty heavy diesel fuel to gasoline mix. I did uh, four gallons of gasoline, sorry, four gallons of diesel to one gallon of gasoline because mm -hmm. I wanted it to burn slower and longer so we can get them fuels lit, which right we didn't really have any issues with. No, no. But I thought maybe that's the way it was going to go. So, so. Th that's that mixture in there. And it's, it was cool watching because you line off where you want the fire to go, and you could even throw the fire into a spot. Yeah, you could toss. I could toss it a few feet, you know, not real far. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Pretty cool. I think that was important to just, like, talk about what a drip torch is. Sure. I wish I had a picture I could show you. We can throw it in. We got – I have video of you using it, so I'll throw it in here. Perfect. So I'll mark it here. Try and take rough notes to get it on there. And sorry if, it's, if I don't end up doing it. My bad. But I have great intentions. We took a lot of video today. So yeah, it was cool watching the drip torch work. You know, I've never seen that before. Never been around any of this. Right. So it's all new to me. I know you were pretty nervous going into. I it. was nervous, man. From watching the podcast with Forrest, you know, you talked about being a little nervous how you'd never done it before. So yeah. Well, it's, it it's intimidating. Fire's scary. 
It is. It really is. You know, because you know? like I said, if you get in the wrong place at the wrong time or you're not watching your back and watching where you need to be, it yeah. creep up on you. Because look at how fast that burned across. 30 seconds. It was fast. And you did a good job at like, we we had like a pre-meeting and, you know, talked about things like, hey, if this happens, this is what you need to do. So it wasn't like we didn't, you know, you didn't take us all into it. Because we had right. some awesome volunteers out there today that helped us out. But so uh, had the drip torch burned around the blind, make sure that thing was protected from its own burn line. And then kind of like talk about the the method to the madness there after we, you know, the blind was a priority at that time. Sure. But then going on from that. <clears throat> yeah, nobody wants to lose their deer blind. No. Especially not to. No, especially after ha- like getting that thing out, having to borrow a tractor to set it up and all that. Like, yeah. And I don't want to call Grizzly and be like, hey, we melted it. Right. It looked like a pretty <laughs> awesome setup. I mean, it, you had it staked down very well. And yeah. You guys had some pretty rough weather. I know as well when you had that rain come in. Dude. So to see it still standing is pretty incredible. I was surprised if you want to know the truth. After that tornado. Yep. That's that pretty like, awesome. I drove in. I'm like, oh, this blind's going to be just smashed on the ground. It was still there. So I need Mark Dury keeps telling me I need to cram T-posts in at a 45 on each corner. And I'm going to do that. Like, I have to go into it. And then run straps through your base. You never have too much holding down, I don't think. No. It's scary, man. Just those, It's just farm stakes holding them down. It's right. like... I don't know. You, I tighten the ratchet strap on there that slacks up every now and again. And I'm like, this thing's gonna just blow over one of these days. But anyway, so let's let's continue on the method to the madness now. After we save the blind, right? So so for me with this burn, you know, we had it broke down into two units. Um, first one being bigger than the second, mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit of rolling terrain, some hills, a couple little ditches, and things that kind of ran through both. Um, but with having a pretty grassy fire break, you know, it was mowed, of course, but we still mm-hmm. had six inches tall four inches tall fuels there that could burn and some of that stuff was dead and some of it was green so yeah what i like doing with having that backpack leaf blower man that's one of my favorite tools other than of course using the drip torch to light the fire the backpack yeah. blowers are lifesavers um so we got a good backing fire so a backing fire is a real slow burning burns into the wind instead of with the wind mm-hmm. so it's it's more controlled it's kind of it's way. fighting the wind as it's trying to burn so it's yeah right yeah you know, so it was. It's burning. a comforting fire more than a, oh shit fire. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you look at the flame height that we had on the backing fire. Yeah, maybe two, three feet in the smaller fuels, and four or five feet in some of the taller fuels. Yep. And then you look at that head fire, which is the fire that is pushed with the wind or rolls uphill. Yeah. Some of them flames, we're guessing, were over forty feet today. At the end there, I'd say at least forty feet. Yeah, there was. I was standing on top of my range, and I'm like, "Oh no, that is insane!" Yeah, <laughs> it was really impressive. It burned very well. I was yeah, surprised. and fast. So yeah, it, it was cool to see the difference. Once I started seeing that backing fire, I'm like, "Okay," I started to get a little more comfortable with the process. Sure. Watching that happen, you know. What did you think when you saw that that first head fire ripping our way when you were standing on top of the ranger with them real tall flames? I when once we once we kind of like got going to the first head fire, yeah, I was like. Cause the it makes a sound I didn't expect, like it's it's like it's loud. It, it's loud and it's 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 like it's alive, man. Like sure. you know, it's it's intimidating. You got to be oh, I gotta think. I need to think two steps ahead because that thing's gonna be over here in twenty seconds. Yeah, and you, you got to be able to quick quick adjust on your plan too. You know, <laughs> yeah. so like I said, once we got to that second unit and we started having problems with the fire trying to spot over yeah with, with one of the other workers that we had I we're said, trying to keep it out of a cut cornfields we're I doing said, we gotta we gotta adjust the plan man or we're gonna catch this cornfield on fire and we don't want to do that so yeah we made like a secondary fire break where he blew the corn 
you know, litter away yeah. um, down to the dirt. So we didn't have any more issues, thankfully. Yeah. But if we would have, it would have went to that dirt spot that had been it. Yeah. Yeah. So would have been easier to manage. The, the leaf blowers, man, I'm like, this is a game changer. Like, you know, it makes perfect sense when you talk about it, but I'm like, I never would have thought about that. So you kind of get, I don't want to say ever got comfortable, but you get, I just became familiar with the process. I'm like, okay, sure. It's, this isn't just chaos, you know? And once you get it all lined up and, and Spencer was out, he came out and helped too. And he's a burn boss yeah. as well. And he had it all, he, you know, he knew what he was doing. So it was cool. Like you guys basically tackled it from both sides and that it was pretty comforting at that point, you know? Sure. Yeah. It was definitely nice having some extra help. You know, it's not something you can, everyone take had lightly. a job. Yeah. It's not something you can take lightly. And, and in all honesty, if we could have had 10 more people there today, I would have said, come on out, you know, by all means. Yeah. Right. Cause we had, you were, um, it was good the way we had it delegated. You ran the show. Spencer ran the other side of the show on the back burn. Right. Yep. So, and then I was like the Ranger water guy running between two. Cause we had water on a water tank. And then we had a mat guy. We had a rake guy. Yeah. We could have used two of everybody really. Now, so those, those flappers or those, you know, swatters, they both have a, same thing, you know. So it's so, just it's like a it's a broomstick with a piece of like old rubber conveyor belt. Yeah, old rubber conveyor belt, maybe a foot wide, foot long. Foot yeah. That's it. That's it. You just go along and, and snuff it out and it kind of suffocates that fire and works awesome. And when you were doing what we were doing with getting that fire break burnt because it was all grass. So if we would have just let a head fire rip across there, it would have been in that cornfield in no time. Oh you know? no, instantly. So burning it like we did and starting that backfire. And it's real small, real slow flame, not real hot. Still some smoke that you got to kind of tuck your nose in your shirt or wear something to kind of cover your face because it does yeah. get old breathing all that in after a while. But we were able to get a nice burnt off area before it got into that real hot and real heavy fuel load. Mm -hmm. So that way when it was burning tall, we didn't have to worry about it creeping over and going somewhere we didn't want to. Right. And that, that was the cool thing about it. It's like once you have the black area where it already burned, it's like, all right, we're good. It's like that. It's, it's almost a comforting. A, it's a feeling. safety blanket, really, because that west side that we were on, yeah, like I, you don't want to burn the neighbor's field, right? You know what I mean? Like, and then and then more, and then whatever's on the other, you know, it can get going crazy. But and it nobody, was just a cool process. And nobody wants to call their neighbor and say, "Hey, man, sorry, uh, hey, dude, my bad." <laughs> you know, I did that a couple of years ago. Burn my neighbor's field. I called him. He's like, "Ah, you probably helped it." Right. I'm like, oh, "Yeah, but still, sorry." My right. Bad. He didn't you care. still feel bad about it. He didn't care. Yeah. He's like, good, <laughs> you know, burned off some of the weeds. But it was just neat kind of seeing all this, how fast the fire moves. And now I'm looking forward to seeing, like, what it benefits for the turkeys. You know, it's going to all come up fresh. Like The deer are probably going to like it more this fall. Um, I think it's just going to be – it's just habitat improvement in general. Sure. I'm sure the quail, the pheasants, the rabbits, I mean, you, you name it, everything's going to benefit from the burn. Yeah, I agree. You know, so – I know deer like real thick cover. You yeah. Know, I'm a hunter as well. So I don't really um, care too much about like the olive in there because I know like the deer like sure. it for more cover, you know, but it's not so good for the program, I don't think. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. But, um, you know, everybody says thick cover, thick cover, but you can't tell me that a deer doesn't like walking through all them thorns either. You know, it's got to hurt. No, I, I can't imagine that it's it's a good time. Right. So that helps, you know, control. All well, that, you notice like where up. most of the trails are. They're not through the thorns. No, not at all. You know, <laughs> you know, somebody told me once, and I don't, you know, might hold true. It seems like it. Um, 
if they can, they'll take the path of least resistance. For sure. You know, nice clean path through the woods versus a For bunch sure. of, you know, thorns and I, I think that's true most times. <clears throat> now I've watched big bucks do stuff and I'm just like, all right, yeah, big bucks just do what big bucks want to do. Sure. I think the general deer population, yes. But in November, the does are gonna take those paths and the bucks yep. are gonna be behind them. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, if I don't get to walk through thorns, I'm not walking through thorns. And I got to think they feel the same way. Yeah. I know they got hair on them, but the, so the thorns in this piece were bad. It did burn bad. Some of them, you know, plants were pretty thick, you know, the size of a quarter. Yeah. They were just covered in thorns, and it's miserable. So the landowner's dog, he told me there's a spot on that farm he let his dog go. And it was just running around, you know, and it got stuck in mm. some of those thorn patches, and he had to go in like cut the dog out of this like briar patch i could see that with somehow with how bad some of it was yeah just i mean i go through there try to shed hunt and it's just miserable i ruin all my i ruin every pair of pants i've ever gone through they're all they all look like i got attacked by a cat sure you know what i mean they're just thorn ripped all of them so especially if you're wearing like these new wrangler stretchy pants you know it's like everything's all just drips screwed. really easy. yeah so i don't know man it was just a cool process i think if someone's got a piece that's crp and it hasn't been burned for a while you know and you're like you know that might help the landowner you know like hey if you if you can hunt the piece get a hold of you which sure. we're going to get put your information in the description all that stuff get a hold of somebody in your area that can burn and do some of this for the landowners to show that like you really care you want to help the program that their land is in so they can keep making income on their ground in exchange you get to hunt like there's a lot of things you can do to flex hunting permission and say it's a good tactic for hunting permission i'll take care of this for you if you you don't got to worry about this i'll help you with it exactly but i think a lot of people don't think about it that way like go cut down down logs on the farmer's field edge that he's going to have to screw with when he's getting going planting. he's trying to get his planter ready Sure. You don't want to worry about down logs in the field. You can do that. Hey, I got the farm lease. I got the hunting permission. You help me out. Yeah, shoot shoot the deer out there. I think a lot of people overlook that stuff like that, you know? I agree. Especially nowadays, you got a different different crowd coming into it, you know, younger generation. Yep. It's too much work. It's too much work. Yeah. But, you know, it's like you can take pride in it, though. Like, that gives, like I take pride in the places I hunt because I care about them. You know, it's like it's makes me feel good. And it's it's nice seeing something that you do have a better benefit in the out, you know, for the outcome. Yeah. So, like I said, after it rains and stuff next week for you here, uh, you'll get out there and you'll see everything growing back, and it'll grow yeah. green and thick. And it's gonna be fun to see. It, it's really cool to watch something that you work on over time, especially. Um, yeah. And just grow and, and better itself. It's it's really kind of neat. My spring goal for that piece is to film a turkey strutting in it. That'd be cool. Just bright green. I, th- I imagine they'll be in there. We'll see. But like, I think that'll be kind of like a rewarding, like, ah, oh, look at that, you know? Get some good pictures. Or yeah. You know? Be kind of cool. I'll have to go out there. Maybe I'll have a turkey tag in my pocket that time. But if not, that's all right, too. Right. To, might take the kids out and try to do some turkey scouting from a distance or something. But but it, it was fun. It was a ton of fun. How, how many can, I'm said controlled burn, prescribed fires do you think you've done? Oh, I'm not even really sure because, like I said, I've been doing it for about ten years, helping out on, yeah. on different burns. So, not too terribly many with you know working full time and stuff, yeah. but uh, a pretty good, pretty good amount. 
That's awesome, man. And, and if someone wants to get in, what's the best way? Is like join volunteer fire department, get into it that way, or like if they want to learn the process of it. So here in Illinois, I think one of the best ways to do it is to reach out to the the DNR. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got people everywhere that burn different state properties all over. And that's their full time job. They do land management for different state supported properties. Oh yeah. Um, and you can apprentice through the state to get your burn boss um, certification. No you, kidding. You have to take a couple couple online courses uh, but it's super easy powerpoint type stuff and you have to test it you know take tests at the end but yeah um it's it's pretty relatively simple it Mm -hmm. takes some time you know it might take a couple years depending on your work schedule and depending on things like that Uh, and of course the weather you know the weather is a big is a big factor yeah because are people doing can prescribe fires like in the middle of the summer or is it too there's there's some that happens you know not so much around here because the humidity is so bad yeah but one of the benefits for prescribed fire, like out west, for instance, um, it reduces the fuel load every year. So that way the wildfire season's not as bad. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And they don't have the humidity quite as bad as we do. Yeah. See, when we did this burn today, we're, I was talking with Cameron, who came out and helped. And uh, Cameron's awesome. But we were talking, like, man, can you imagine, like, some of the wildfires out west, what these guys deal with? Like, how, like, you can see how quick those guys get in a rough situation where they're trapped by a fire like you see those videos online where they're in a truck kind of panicking on where to drive it's like god i can't even imagine like that's just so scary and out there their fuel heights are worse you know they got pine trees and trees that are 60 80 150 feet tall (sighs) dude that that is not for me i i have so much respect for what they do even more so now i always did but way more now like that would be a tense situation that i don't know if i could handle not to mention having the just the physical exertion of climbing the mountains for days on it yeah and running from fire if you get a bad situation (laughs) like a nightmare yeah you know but those guys are out there getting it and hats off to you guys so we respect what you do but but yeah i mean you go to certain spots like i've I've elk hunted in colorado there's just all down trees from i don't their beetle kills or what and i'm sure like fire can help those areas to make the like to clean up the timber sure and i know the elk like you know a good burn after a year or two you know for for food and whatever else but <clears throat> there's so much benefit to fire and it seems like it, while it's burning you're like man you just burned off all this habitat but it's like the life that regrows out of it, it's like it's just weird this way it works i've had some people ask me about that too like why why do you do that it's, it's such an unnatural thing well actually it is very natural yeah you know think of hundreds of years ago before anything was ever really settled all the planes and stuff they'd burn off yeah you know, lightning, lightning alone yeah. so, you know that's one thing when you go out west and hunt you realize how like lightning's an issue like lightning is a danger sure when you're hunting high country but yeah like lightning that's what starts most wildfires well for the most part i think but i know a lot of it's people yeah but. nowadays a lot of it's people related but you know there's still storms and things that come across out in the plains that you know yeah. lightning strike and next thing you know you got thousands of acres that are burning so that's it's scary man that's one thing like living out west you always hear about people's houses get taken out by wildfires and stuff and that just that scares me yeah for sure you know but i don't know it was cool man it was cool to like be a part of it see how fast it burns see the whole process kind of be familiar with it's just another like notch of experience in my bag you know what i mean it's like and to me it's all deer related like i'm thinking about property and management and the benefits of it but like in my head it all comes back to my deer season for me yeah but like 
you know, we, we saw them rabbits earlier, you know, unfortunately we probably spooked them out of their den, but, yeah. um, you know, it'll help the rabbits and, and it'll help the birds and turkeys and I mean, it really helps everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, it's more benefits. Well, that's the talk, you know, guys put in food plots. It doesn't just benefit deer, it benefits songbirds, it benefits everything. Sure. You know, and, and, and that's the thing I think people overlook with hunters in general is like, yeah, we're killing stuff, but we care about everything. And so it's like, oh yeah, you want to plant a food plot just so you can kill deer. It's like, yeah, but you know, everything that benefits from the food plot, right? It's like everything really does for the most part. Birds get in and eat the bugs, you know? And- yeah. Turkeys are in there. I mean, damn, about everything eats clover. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's nature salad, really. It's it's Midwestern salad for for the wildlife, you know? So I don't know. I think that, that stuff's overlooked, I think, what it benefits for everything else besides deer. But right. I don't know. It's just a, land management becomes more and more interesting to me the older I get. And I don't know if it's like I talked on this last week with Austin and Lee. It's like I don't know if that's just that next layer of interest when it comes to hunting. It's like taking it further where it's almost it's hunting, but it's it's outside of hunting. Sure. Like, You're still doing hunting related tasks and things. and Right. With the end goal in mind of, you know, shooting that. 200 inch deer at the end of the year right let's hope right one day one day 200 inches but yeah it's just fun in general but like i encourage people you know if that's something that interests you like get a hold some get a hold of you message you um you're gonna get some social pages made and all that stuff because you're you're gonna kick off you're starting your own business to do this sure um we've been you know you told me a little bit about it so like what's your game plan like people will be able to hire you out to come do this yeah um i'm gonna set it up to our call me message me on socials or anything like that um and then yeah i'd probably be willing to travel pretty decent distances you know of course um but uh my main focus is going to be land management through the process of prescribed fire you know but yeah that being said i'm also going to try to doing things like working on tsi timber stand improvements and um just anything generally to improve the habitat for yeah for whitetail or anything else for that matter. Is the goal to leave your day job one day to do this full time or maybe just 50-50 or? You know, see, I don't know. I, lo- I love both, really. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Um, I like helping people. And, don't get and yourself still, in trouble. Right. And I'm still helping people by doing this. Yeah. You know, working for people that you want to hire me out or for whatever. Sure. But Working for yourself, that would be pretty right. awesome. But having like my own business and just making that little extra safety for my you know, family and stuff is always a good idea. Yeah, you got to pad the pockets, man. Right. No, I think it's cool. I think it's a great idea because, like, I think a lot of people, I'm sure there's guys locally that I don't know about, but, you know, I didn't know where to go. I called Perry. Yep. It's like you call a buddy of a buddy, and that's how, you know, you figure it out, I guess. But I hit up a couple guys locally. like, ah, I've done it, but I don't do it anymore, that type of thing. And um, But, yeah, it's like. You know, you're an available resource for people in the Midwest now through this podcast that maybe want to do a burn maybe this year yet, or I don't know if they do them in the fall, but for next year, especially, you know? Yeah, you can do, you know, it's like earlier, I mentioned the growing season kind of burn. So right now we're getting into the growing season burns, Um, but they do dormant season burns as well. That's your, you know, your fall and winter type burns. But a lot of people, I don't imagine, are going to want to burn their properties off anytime from just you barren know, ground yeah. October until yeah. after January. So I don't see that happening. At least not from a hunting especially standpoint. Especially standing crop. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine catching a standing cornfield on fire? I've seen it, and it's not they, good. Yeah, they roll pretty good. 
It'd be kind of cool to watch, actually. It's kind of cool to watch, but it's it's also very <laughs> terrifying because you know you I got bet. it's like we said earlier, 60, 70 foot flames. You're just yeah, no. I'm watching <laughs> that head flame come across today. I was standing on top of my Ranger filming, and I'm like, oh, that's coming in hot, right? Like you know, I feel hot right now just from being around the heat. You know what I mean? It was a good sunny day, so had we not had. We were in the well, heat the whole time. And we were in the heat the whole time. Yeah. Like fire or not, it was hot today. Right. So like I just feel warm. We worked hard. You know, we ran around and just we we burned a lot of grounds. We covered a lot of a lot of I don't know, miles or whatever, but we moved a lot today. You know, that's what we were talking about <clears throat> earlier too. It, it you think, oh man, we worked all day. We really didn't work very many hours. You know, no. we, we first put fire on the ground a little after twelve. Yep. And we were done burning by five. Yeah, it we, seemed we like it took way longer. Five. Yeah. It's actually impressive work, really, when you break it down. Like, right. it went fast. So it was fun, man. I do appreciate coming out. It was it was a cool thing to experience. I think we got a lot of good footage. got a lot of good photos. I'll throw them in on top of this podcast and be stuff. Awesome. But where can people find you if they're wanting to do something like this? I know you're going to have some social pages, and we'll help share those and stuff. Yeah, so I'm going to get the Facebook and the Instagram up and running stuff like that um yeah but i'll also give you my phone number and uh business name and things you can attach in there and we'll just cool yeah if you want it. people calling you they'll yeah. call you i'm sure that's all right call just see how you're doing that'd be all right too <laughs> you know yeah and i was i would i don't know if you want to say where you work at but or not but uh you know not really okay that's fair that's fair smart probably but, yeah i don't know how that how that would go <laughs> i don't think it would Let's be not an do issue. It. yeah yeah i don't fine. think it'd be any issues but yeah all right Hey, but the thing is, you're so we just had a DNR officer a few weeks ago in in studio, and we we are a bunch of heathens here, but we're not too big of heathens that we still have law enforcement in studio. Sure, right? We're so we we ride the line. We're still cool enough, right? But we're not like we're not we're not too big of heathens where you guys don't want to be around. You know, and so that was something <laughs> I'd always thought about getting into was conservation. You know, yeah. When I first started thinking about career, you know, a long time ago, I thought, no, nah, conservation officer would be the way to go. Yeah. And it took one conversation with one conversation, one conservation officer. And he said, you like to hunt? I said, well, yeah, of course. And he goes, well, that'll go one or two ways. Ooh. He said, you'll either start to not like hunting because you're working all the time, or you're not going to like your job because you can't go hunting. Mm. He's like, so think about it. And See, I was, like, I was oh. taking law enforcement classes in high school with <clears throat> thoughts of doing something with law enforcement and to be a conservation officer. And I had a similar conversation. Someone like, if you like to hunt, don't be a, right. a CPO. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. No, I'm out. Yep, that's pretty much what I was told, and that's exactly what I said, too. And I still think it would be cool. Yeah. But... Hey, let me ask you this. Maybe you can't answer. You can just say no comment. I don't want to get you in trouble. Being a police officer, do you feel like nowadays you can't like do your job with like the politics and stuff? Do you feel like you're just kind of like, I can't do shit about anything anymore? I feel like things are getting harder. You know, for, yeah. for law enforcement, with everything that's gone on in the country in the past, you know, decade, we'll say. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of issues, and and it's just like your family tree. You know, you got one bad apple in there, and then you get a bad name for your whole family. Yeah. And that's how it goes. Well, so my law enforcement officer in high school, he quit to teach, you know, teach. And he said he got out of it because— because of basically what I just brought up, like sure. you couldn't really do your job the way it needed to be done without being scrutinized for everything. Right. So he's like, I just got out of it. I can see where it's going. I don't want any part of it. And he, he had worked 
for a long time, you know, so he, he retired, but he's like, I, I would have kept doing it, but I'm, I'm good. Yeah. You know, and, it, and <clears throat> the attacks on law enforcement officers nowadays are so much higher than they have been. And they're only getting worse. Yeah. Um, so it's, hats off it's to you, man. It's not a job I'd want to do, but hats off to you guys. Cause is this so much crazy stuff going on? Like, I don't know if you ever talked to your parents about this. Like, I remember asking my parents, like, as, when we were little, was 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 stuff always this crazy, or is it just now that I'm an adult and see all the crazy stuff where I'm like, whoa, the world's mm-hmm. insane, or is it just crazier now than it used to be? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Because you know, when you're younger, you're more innocent. You, you don't, don't hear about that. You stuff. don't. You don't need to know that. about it. Yeah. Right. That's a pretty good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know, like you being in law enforcement, if you feel like if you ever talked to anybody that's been in like law enforcement for you know that was still in you know, in, in service 30 years ago, that might be still around that would really know a scale of it. I know a couple people and I'll have to ask them. And see what I'd just be curious, you know, because yeah. it's like, man, you're about Chicago. Like how many murders go on every weekend in Chicago? Like I'm sure but Chicago's always been that way. That's a disaster. Yeah. You know, and that's so before I became a law enforcement officer, I spent a lot of time as an EMT. Um, and I did about a year and a half where I worked in East St. Louis. And dude, that's gotta be, oh, it's probably like Chicago actually. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have any comparison to Chicago. You know, I've only ever visited there once. But, yeah. Um, it could it was rough at times. Wasn't it East St. Louis when the big shooting? Nah, what happened? I can't remember what happened in East St. Louis. They had all the riots there several years back. Was it East St. Louis? There was a lot in St. Louis. Oh, was it St. Louis? That was around the one of the you know multiple incidents. Yeah, I don't even know anymore. About, I can't even remember anymore. About ten years ago, but yeah. Um, yeah, most of that stayed on the Missouri side around the bigger portion of the city, which we were surprised that we didn't have much carryover. Into were the, you down in that area at the time? Yeah, I was in East St. Louis when all them big riots were going on. No and, kidding. And, um, Ferguson, Missouri. Ferguson. Was, yeah, when Ferguson was getting rioted real bad, I was working on an ambulance at that time in, no in East shit. St. Louis. So everybody was a little on edge, you know, because we I were bet. afraid that it was going to carry our way. Which and it didn't? It didn't. You know, we didn't have a lot of... What Real kept it from stuff at all? Just the river, huh? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> population. I, I, not not real sure. But oh man, yeah. Screw that. Hats off to you, man. Because like you see that, like oh, I mean, what just happened with Kyle Rittenhouse? Like uh, that was in Kenosha. That's not that far. No, not at all. You know what I mean? Like we're all around. Oh, we're between Chicago and Milwaukee and Madison and St. Louis. I mean, yeah. So you're bound to you're bound to be close a couple hours from all that crap. Right. It's just crazy, man. I'm glad I live where I live in the country, and I'm glad my cool. kids are away from the city stuff because it's just going to keep getting weirder, man. For sure. And, you know, and that's – I had somebody tell me once, they're like, I could probably get you hired on in one of these big cities like St. Louis. I said, no, thanks. Mm, I'm good. <laughs> I said, my hat's off to those that do work there. I couldn't do it. It's just not for me. I hope this burn land management stuff just really fires off for you, and I, and I respect you for your service, man. I'm not wishing that. Cause I'm sure you love it. Right. Like, I do very much. So, but, but. just the, the world's getting so wild that you'll have another, having option. something to fall back on. Would yeah. Be, yeah. Would be good. I don't know. Like, I'm not like wishing ill upon you, but I think he's get what I'm saying. You right. know, it's like, it's just this, a weird time. And like, you know, we're, we're, I don't know. I don't public figures the wrong term. We, we talk for a living in this outdoor space. It's like how long before I start getting 
scrutinized for like one thing I say for being offensive. You know what I mean? It's probably not far away. I was gonna say it won't take long. It won't take long. I say some wild stuff. Mm. You yeah, know, that or you'll get attacked by FEMA or something for posting a something video. I'm waiting. You know, like social media. Everybody's on social media, but you know the jury series on Deercast. Thank God is clean and and it keeps us uh, it keeps us in line a little bit. Sure. But on normal WCB, if we just feel like saying something wild, like for the laugh, we'll say it. But we don't like to say, oh, I was just kidding every time. But like, we do it for the laugh. We might not mean what we say. But how far is that off from Kurt said this? Right. Like, well, you took it out of context. Everybody takes things differently, you know. I don't know, man. Just do what I do, I guess. Right. And that's all you can do, I guess, just is do brush, what you do. Just brush it off when it happens. and That's right. Well, dude, I appreciate everything. Yeah. Um I will put all your information in the episode, so if somebody needs a prescribed fire, they can call you up. But, dude, it was awesome getting to learn this whole process from you today, and I, our crew that we had was awesome that helped out, and we were pretty efficient with it. So Yeah, again, thanks for having the help here and having the crew here. That was fantastic. Everybody yeah. worked well together, and we all did very good. Thanks to them guys for helping. It was fun, actually. For helping. Thanks for having me up, and I'm glad. Was- Hopefully now you feel a little more at ease. Oh yeah. Process, oh but. yeah, man, for sure. Well, you know, too, is like I knew cause it's shot to Perry. You know, once Perry, if Perry's gonna introduce me to somebody, I already automatically know you're gonna be a, a kick ass guy. So right. um but hope you enjoyed the hotel stay at the studio. It's been fantastic. And, uh, I'm hoping I don't know you didn't really know what to expect, did you when you came to the studio? Uh, no, not at all. Yeah, I love that. Not That's my all. favorite part about like showing people this place, you know. So but you're welcome back anytime, man. Come back, awesome. stay here, drink a beer. We'll have to get Perry out and come up and I'll hang out with Perry and the boys here and just have a good old time and be a good time. Have have a dude's night out basically here at the studio for sure. So cool, man. You want to throw in anything? Any shout outs or anything before we split? No, man. Like I said, I just thanks to everybody today for helping out. That was great and worked out. And you know, thanks to Perry Hopefully. sure for hooking us up and it went very well. It would have been way cooler if old Pear Bear would have made it out and to I, help us. I tried, but you know, he had prior commitments next time that's right next time we'll hold them to it <laughs> there we go okay awesome thanks everybody for tuning in here on DeerCast. uh please engage on DeerCast. like comment let us know what you want to hear next especially coming into summer and then into the fall um we have to engage on a deer hunter owned and operated platform especially like what we talked about what's going on now with socials and in the world today um the DeerCast is a place deer hunters can be where the world's not going to get stupid on us. So let's embrace what we have here with DeerCast and support it and make it one big community, one big positive community of hunters. So appreciate you guys tuning in. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We'll see you next week. Peace.